Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. It's The List and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross Sapp. With Jimmy and Sean, sell pills for your dumb. Make a fantastic song. Make a fantastic song. And we're live. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp. It's Listen to your boy, 194. I'm here for a victory lap, Jimmy. <laughs> oh, yeah? Is that right? I sat here on this very show one week ago, and I said, Jimmy, Mike Tyson is going to go into that fight high. He is going to smoke weed. And you yelled at me. Yeah. You screamed at me. I was belittling. I was belittling. You belittled I was, me? I was a bit of a dick with the mocking fact, tone. you said, what kind of idiot would right. smoke weed while they're doing their job. Oh, great, great. God, you're going to start telling secrets. That's awesome. Well, <sighs> you know what? We'll get to that in a minute uh, because out of respect, I think we got to start with something else. Yeah. So we'll uh, get... leave, by the way, guys, as we get into this, you'll share your memories, all that stuff. Leave a thumbs up, subscribe, tap the bell for notifications. Uh, donate a super chat if you're watching live on youtube.com slash Fightful. And uh, we'll read your question or statement on the air because we got plenty to talk about today. Yeah, when it when it comes to WWE and Vince McMahon, this might be the most significant loss to date. Uh, Pat Patterson, we're doing this on December second. It was announced this morning that Pat Patterson has passed away at the age of seventy nine. He was about a month away from his eightieth birthday. His eightieth birthday was on January nineteenth. Um, I saw this word today in a lot of news stories, and I think it's 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 very accurate. You know, Pat Patterson was a trailblazer in a lot of ways. You know, here here was this French Canadian guy. He left uh, Canada, not speaking a lick of English, 
uh, became a major single star on the West Coast in the U.S. in San Francisco, formed a, a really successful tag team with Ray Stevens. Uh, WWE, Vince McMahon Sr. thought so highly of him that he made him the first Intercontinental Champion. Uh, remember they said that they did a tournament and wherever the hell, but that was all bullshit. But he was, he was the first ever Intercontinental Champion because Vince Sr. respected him so much. And then when he transitioned to behind the scenes, Vince McMahon Jr.'s right-hand man forever, uh, very involved in booking, very involved in match finishes. Everybody knows he created the Royal Rumble. Just a massive, influential person. Uh, and uh, talk about his, his, his other things he did in the ring. I mean, he had the, the program with Sergeant Slaughter in WWE, which is pretty famous. They had the, uh, the alley fight in uh, yeah. Madison Square Garden, very famous. Then the Attitude Era allowed Pat Patterson to return as a character, as one of the Stooges, and he actually beat Crash Holly for the hardcore title. Which is one my point. first exposure to Pat Patterson. As, you, seriously? Yes, because I... You know, I grew up, I became a wrestling fan in 1990. Right. So between there and 98, 99, he wasn't wrestling. He wasn't really doing yeah. anything like that. He was working backstage largely. Maybe I'd see him on screen here and there. But yeah, I mean, he, he refereed WrestleMania 1. He refereed the main event. So, I mean, I back then, you got to realize WWE Network wasn't prevalent. If you didn't have that VHS, right, right. You, then you didn't really see it because they didn't play it a whole lot That's true. on screen. And he didn't have any matches between uh, August or between September September eighty seven and ninety eight, he had no matches until they started to do the stuff with with the Stooges, where he would wrestle Austin, Kane, China, Shane McMahon, stuff like that. Right. So that was my first exposure to him as one of the Stooges. So I, you know, that's how I knew him, and that's what I knew of him. And like you mentioned, uh, an interesting. <laughs> Interesting situation is that Pat Patterson competed for the hardcore title in the 2000s, the tag team titles in the in the 90s because they technically faced the New Age Outlaws. So for like I think it was like decade after decade after decade he competed for WWE titles, like four or five straight decades he was able to do that, which isn't something that happens a lot. Um, so my memories of him straight on were from that, of course. I came to know him as Vincent Mann's right-hand man and yep. the guy who helped create the Royal Rumble. I mentioned to you off the air, Jimmy. <clears throat> Sorry, got a little frog in my throat there. I am working on like a major Royal Rumble feature to drop the week of the show. I've been talking to probably a dozen different wrestlers about the Royal Rumble. And I think all but maybe one or two reference Pat Patterson. 100%. All like, yeah. not just creating the concept, but agenting the match and putting it together, he's been influential in, quite frankly, one of the most innovative match types in wrestling history. Took the plain old battle royal and added an element of intrigue to it that that has stuck for over 30 years. Yeah, and if you've seen Wrestling with Shadows, the Bret Hart documentary, and I think everybody has, you saw in that documentary how influential Pat Patterson was because he was so heavily involved in match finishes for, for Brett's pay-per-view matches at that time. When Brett was skeptical that they were going to turn Shawn Michaels heel, he went to Pat Patterson. Because yeah. uh, Pat was involved with everything and, and uh, just massively influential. And then on top of all of that, he was also Trailblazer because he was really the first known openly gay pro wrestler. 
for years and years, and I'm talking long before he came out publicly on Legends House, for years and years it was common knowledge that Pat, yes. Patterson, Pat Patterson was gay and that he had a live-in uh, boyfriend named Louis Dondero. And I've read Pat Patterson's book. Everybody knew and loved Louis Dondero. Louis Dondero was a chef, and Pat Patterson in his book talks about he'd always invite the wrestlers over, and Louis would cook a full spread up for them, and uh, everybody knew him and loved him. He passed, I believe, in 98, I think, and they were together until the end. And, uh, and it was not only was it you know, commonly accepted, it didn't seem to hurt Pat Patterson at all, especially when he, when he became a backstage employee. He kept on climbing the ranks in WWE. Didn't seem like it was ever an issue for him. And you know what was very fascinating about that? WWE has long had this stereotype of focusing on the worst of stereotypes. You know what I mean? Yes. Especially when it comes to race and things like that. So on television, wrestling had this stereotype for doing the worst of the worst. And yet behind the scenes, you know, one of the one of the first, if not the first, openly gay people is just flourishing and, and climbing the ranks and was fully accepted by everybody. It, so, it reminded me a lot of actually I rewatched Chappelle's show a couple of weeks ago before they took it off Netflix and one of the reasons why he said that he quit the show was he felt like he went from making fun of stereotypes to reinforcing stereotypes. And that's something that WWE has been guilty of for a very long time. Like, it seems like they plan on making fun of a stereotype, be like, that's such a ridiculous thing, but then they just reinforce it, and right. they, they hammer it in. Uh, of course, Pat Patterson did have controversies and, and plenty of stuff like that that, that caused issues, but... You mean like the Barry O stuff and all of that? Yes, of course. Yeah. Like. Yeah. A lot of controversy there, and the thing is, like, I remember when they they did the Legends House thing, and that's when he sort of came out publicly. But I mean, there were there were references to it on on commentary in like '99, like Jim Ross saying, "Fellas, he's single," even though right. he wasn't. <laughs> but things everybody like that. knew, everybody, everybody, knew. yeah, everybody. I, I knew when, when I think I could be wrong, but I think when Jim Ross said that Louis had passed. Really? I think so. Yeah. Cuz I th- I think Louis passed in 98. You're right. I think. You're right. Yeah, so so Jim Ross it said was, that probably as just a tongue in cheek. It was the night that thing. mankind went off the cage. It was the same oh, night. Oh, was it yeah. really? Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, he uh you know what? I mean, loss is always a shitty thing obviously and and my condolences to his family and and his uh, friends, but what a run and and what a legacy. Yeah. You know, what a legacy he's leaving behind. And uh, and he's going to be in stone there in terms of WWE uh, history. So, uh, hell of a run. I mean, to this day, the Rumble is, is, you know, if not my number one favorite show of the year, it's number two behind Mania every year consistently. I'm curious how they're going to do it this year in a COVID environment. But, uh, yeah. but I love the Rumble. And, uh, yeah, that was all Pat Patterson. So We have a lot of super chats about this. Guys, keep sending them in. We really appreciate it. Ace Podcast. WWE. Well, he was doing, he was backstage in WWE this year, but he hadn't been in the last few months from what I understand. As far as being involved with creative, I think it was more like a wink and a nod thing. Like we're going to keep paying you. Thank you for your contributions thing. But he was always a guy that people would consider and go to, especially for finishes and and all that. Uh, Zach Barber says, Pat Patterson singing karaoke at Starcast was something I didn't know I needed to see until I saw it. Uh I'm, I'm trying to think of what song that he sang. My Way. Was it My Way? Yeah, yes. yeah, it was My Way. Yep, always. That's what Scott he was known Young for. Sa- Scott Young says, Hi, Sean. As I'm from the UK and I like sleep, this is one of the few shows that I can help you all out financially with. 
Love you guys and your work. R.I.P. Pat. Well, thank you for that. We appreciate it. Super Chats are a big part of, of helping that out. Uh, so a big thank you. Uh, Wild Boy says, just found out that one of my close friends, Mark, has passed away today as well. He had diabetes. This is a terrible year. Uh, sending our, th our thoughts to you, my friend. I know it's been a tough one for you, uh, losing your mom and losing so much of your family. So definitely sending our love your way. Jobber says, does Fightful have an award for best company for COVID? Well, how about this? Fightful has had zero yeah. COVID infections. So it's us. Right. My, my office is open three days a week. We've not had one problem. Not one. We've got uh, another super chat. D'Lo Diggs says, any thoughts on Jimmy Rave's retirement? Did you see this, Jimmy? Yeah, I was going to mention that later. Uh, we can mention it now for a second if you want. Actually, it was, it was going to be part of the next thing on my list here. Left arm amputated. What happened? I heard it was an infection. Yeah, and man, uh, like that that's it was a very heartfelt message that he put out there and it's so sad cuz I mean was it was it staff or something? Well, he he said that uh, they found an infection in his left arm and he tried to toughen it out, but that hurt him because by the time that they got there, it was too late. They had to amputate above the elbow and mm. it ended his in-ring career. I wonder that's, if it was horrible. staff. That's sad. That's unfortunate. How old was he? I mean, was he? Well, he's still I mean, alive. No, I know, but I mean, like, to, to retire. He's retiring young, no? Oh, yeah, he's 37. 37. All right, he'll be 38 this week, I think. Yeah, that's too bad. So, yeah, big, big in Ring of Honor, big in TNA, and uh, what best wishes to him. You know, what else can you say about that? The other one I was going to mention is Dwayne Gill, a.k.a. Gilberg, uh, recently suffered a heart attack. I understand he's at home recovering now. And I, I saw something online about how the day before his heart attack, he did a cameo for yeah one of our for podcasts or the distraction for Joe and Jeremy. By the way, guys, check it, check that show out this week. Luther appeared on it for an hour. Luther did he? went there. Yeah, oh yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Luther is a regular watcher of the distraction. Good for him. But uh, Dwayne Gill did a cameo for them, and uh, yeah, I, I just hope that he gets well soon. Uh, that's really all you can say about that. Dwayne Gill, best wishes. Yep, for sure, for sure. Well, before the news of Pat Patterson's passing came out, I had another thumbnail planned out uh, that I was going to put up instead. Obviously, I had to pivot because the Pat Patterson news is a major wrestling story of the year. Put up Media One, Camilla. Oh, this, boy. This is the thumbnail. <laughs> That's the thumbnail that I was going to put up. And it's so good that I had to try to get it on the podcast. So that's that. The other thing that I was going to do was I, was I was planning to kick off the show this week with a nice little video that Camillo put together for me. So let's run that right now. Run Media oh, 2, Camillo. Last week on the list in your boys. You know, sometimes, Sean, sometimes you, you he's spend... going to go into that fight high on weed. I think there's a good chance. Jimmy, what the hell are you talking about? Okay, so let me just tell you this, and I'm not going to go into, into a massive detail, but let me just tell you this, okay? And I might have told you this on the air before. I know people in the sports memorabilia world, right? Mike Tyson in that world has a bit of a reputation for being a bit of a loose cannon. And during the fight, Jimmy, well, during his first fight in 16, 17 years, hopped up. He's gonna be he's gonna be relaxed, Sean Rossap. <laughs> yeah, well, if he's on weed, he's gonna be relaxed. That's what I'm saying. He's gonna be relaxed. Oh come on, he's not gonna smoke weed before the fight. You might, oh, you, you could be very surprised. 
I wish Camelo could pull Jimmy, up clips in Jimmy, real time. I wish he could do it. Do you have any idea how many fighters I've worked with? I've never, never, never once. And let me tell you, I managed some potheads in my day. Not a one time did one of them say, you know what? I need to spark up before the fight. Right before the fight. Well, I okay, first off, I never said right before the fight. I didn't say he's going to walk down the aisle. You, you insinuate he's going to be high in the I ring. Think, I think he's going to be calm, yes. I do. Oh, my This God. is not a regular This is not a regular fight event. This is not like a... <laughs> no shit, it's not. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you can't compare Mike Tyson to the fighters that you dealt with. This is not the same thing. Why? Why would he? He could just wait until, I don't know, after the fight and smoke weed. So, Sean Ross Sapp, tell me right now from your sort of impression of what's happening, uh, was Jimmy Van Wright? Is Mike Tyson <laughs> high on the devil's letter? <laughs> so, I got upset about that. I, like, yeah. There, there are a lot of things that Jimmy accuses me of getting upset about, like him saying that 35 was pushing 40, which is not, by the way. Although I will say, Otis at 28 years old is pushing 40. That, that, is, that is real. But he said, Mike Tyson might be hopped up on weed. <laughs> and it's like, Jimmy. And he was like, well, I've dealt with some people that know. And I'm like, yeah, but that's, he wasn't fighting when you dealt with him. It was just other stuff. Like, I, like maybe Mike Tyson's going to spark up about an hour after this. Sure. But he ain't going in there high. It is wild to imply that Mike Tyson, in his first fight in like 17 years, is going to go smoke weed <laughs> right before the fight. And, and it's he, not. This is not. Re, this is not real. Like this is not like a regular. He's not out there looking to even, contend for the title. You know what I'm saying? But even why? Like. Why would a, he do that? Why would a person do that? Even Mike Tyson, who has spent a lot of time training and promoting for this, even though it's not a real thing. Like, you know, maybe at 11 a.m. that day, and then an hour after the fight, he ain't gonna go in there high as a kite. <laughs> Come on. We'll see how it plays out, Sean. Well, listen, I can't stop smoking. I, I was, I smoked during fights. I, I have to smoke. I'm sorry, I'm a smoker. I smoke every day. I never stop smoking. Um, it's just who I am. It has no effect on me from a negative standpoint. It's just what I do and who I am and how I'm going to die. And we're back. The best video editing that money can buy. Jimmy <laughs> Van. How in this landscape were you able to find a lookalike and a soundalike <laughs> for me? Yeah, yeah. Sean, let me tell you. We've been doing this thing for four and a half years, Fightful. You and I, we basically have been running Fightful for four and a half years. It warms my heart that after four and a half years, I'm still teaching you things. It warms my heart that after four and a half years, you're still learning lessons from the old guy here. It really, really warms my heart. And there are, you know, I got to tell you, there are lessons in this. I'm not just here for fun. I'm here to educate, Sean. I'm here to educate. 
And I want people to remember this because this doesn't just apply to Sean. This applies to everybody. If you are ever in a situation where somebody makes a prediction about anything, not just a sporting event, it could be a wedding, it could be, I don't know, a spelling bee. If you're ever in a situation where somebody makes a prediction about something, if you don't know definitively for 100% that that prediction will not come to fruition, rather than laugh at them, rather than kind of have a mocking, belittling tone... I was not belittling. I thought it was legitimately ridiculous that anybody would go into that sort of situation and smoke weed. Exactly but, my point. So well, my, my, the it, lesson is wait until the event, reserve judgment until the event, just in case the prediction comes true. That's also, I have to say that just magnifying that was the fact that you did say hopped up on weed. That was very <laughs> funny to me. It's <laughs> like... It was like he's sitting next to Denzel Washington in training day in the car, and he's like, Angel Dust, PCP. Like, he's getting like he's getting amped up. Okay, this. didn't Shaq say devil's lettuce? And by the way, Shaq, I know you're watching this, you bastard. I'm waiting for my apology. My DMs are open for you on Twitter. I'm waiting for that apology, all right? Because you were laughing just like Sean was. I'll be waiting for that. But I Sean, mean, yeah, that, that's the thing. Shaq was much more pompous than I. He's the one that <laughs> owes you an apology. I'm right, yes. here to create good on-screen content, which is what I do. Yeah. And I did that. Well, My you know God. what, Sean? Let me just say this. Let me say this. So I'm not a journalist. I've never professed to be. You are a journalist. You have a network wow. of contacts that you talk to to verify stories. And you've become one of the best at what you do. I'm not a journalist, but I do know people... And you know that I know people. And so the lesson here, Sean, and I mean no disrespect when I say this, because this applies to everybody in life, so I mean no disrespect when I say this. Even though there are a lot of things that you know, there are also a lot of things that you don't know. And that's the lesson. And when I made that prediction last week, I didn't conjure it out of thin air. I said that because of things that I knew that were not necessarily public, and so I thought it was a pretty good bet that I could uh, say that on the podcast. And, but I really got to ask you, was, what did you ju- think What did you think when you heard about that? Oh, I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. I thought it was amazing. I knew it'd be great. Like, I would love to say that I was, like, seething. But I was like, <laughs> oh, shit, this is going to be good. This is okay. going to be really, really great. But I kind of wished that I was more upset about it. Like, I wished that it arsed me a little bit more. But I was just like, of course, it's 2020. <laughs> what more ridiculous stuff? Can continue to happen than this and i was already i mean i was very happy i've had a good week we've got a bunch of good wrestling i got a wwe interview and quite frankly i got to cover a mike tyson fight and i know a lot of our younger viewers might not quite understand the magnitude of that but in the 90s in the 80s a mike tyson saturday night was something that you planned your week around 100 and i never thought that i would get to cover a mike tyson fight and that it was very cool to me that i got to do that so i was already happy about that anyway and honestly he looked really good he looked amazing he looked amazing I i couldn't believe it i was like you know what roy jones jr a few years younger way more active than Mike Tyson. Yep. And then the moment I saw that first body shot from Mike Tyson, I was like, well, he's going to win this. Yeah, Roy, Roy's strategy played out the way I thought. People on Twitter asked me, what do you think is going to happen? I thought Roy was going to clinch and, and move uh, until Mike gassed, and then Roy was going to do just enough to win rounds. That's what I thought was going to happen. And that's basically what he did, except he's the one that gassed. 
And I, I noted this on Twitter. I think it was at the end of the fourth round. Mike, I think, could have dropped Roy whenever he wanted. And he chose not, not to throw headshots. Uh, and if you watch that fight back, obviously Mike's right hand is his power hand. He didn't throw any rights to the head at all. Whenever yeah. he got the opportunity, he threw him to the body because he knew it was an exhibition fight and he didn't want to hurt anybody and, and, and full respect to him. But I think if Mike wanted to, he's dropping Roy in the first or second round. The, I think so too. Given how based, that fight played out. I completely agree um, based on what I saw. And I'm all for Mike Tyson's Legends League. I know that a lot of people are like, oh, sideshow, oh, this. Hell no. You know what it was? It was interesting. It yes. was exciting. I want to see Mike Tyson face noted AFI Award winner Evander Holyfield. I want to see that. <laughs> yeah. I want to see him face Bob Sapp, Jimmy. I want to see that. I want to see him knock the legal threats out of Bob Sapp. Uh, I want to see some of these things. You know what? Put him in there against that uh, Logan Paul, Jake Paul, whichever Paul is there. Uh, Put him in there against yeah. him. Yeah. Well, one of, one of the most memorable dinners of my life was with Evander Holyfield. I got to have dinner with him one night yeah. in uh, in Philadelphia. And I'm a massive, I'm a, I'm a fan of that era. So I'm is a big fan of, <laughs> no, Evander's the opposite of Mike. He's the opposite of Mike. But, uh, but Evander and Mike Tyson and Lennox Lewis, like that time period, I'm a massive fan of boxing from that time period. And uh, I hope that someday I can have dinner with Mike too, because that, uh, yeah, Evander was so cool and had so many stories to tell. And I'm telling you, Sean, when we walked into that restaurant, I mean, Evander's a big guy to begin with. When we walked into that restaurant, everybody was staring at him. Everybody. Yeah. And I remember I said to him, you must get this everywhere you go. And he just kind of shrugged because he was so used to it. You can amplify that by 10 with Mike Tyson. Yeah. You know? So. Uh, we have some super chats about this. Hannah M. says, and he got to do a prediction show with me. A blessed week. Yeah, please check that out, guys. Hannah joined me on the NXT TakeOver War Games prediction show that is up now on Fightful.com, FightfulWrestling.com, and YouTube.com slash Fightful. I thought Hannah was great on that. Uh, Evan Wright says, the moment I heard he was high, I knew Jimmy was sitting there in his big leather chair plotting for this moment, <laughs> and I wasn't let down. Oh, I did too. I knew it, and I was ready for it. But uh, i got to be honest with you. I was surprised Sunday morning that this was such a major headline. I was surprised. <laughs> well, like because it, of us, Jimmy. Oh, sure, it was because of us. But I can't be the only person in the universe that predicted this. This was not a surprise to me at all. How is it that this was headline news everywhere? I just, I was very well, surprised that it was such big a news. A few reasons. Vada testing, which supposedly took, took place, and the reasons I mentioned. Like, Mike has overcome a lot of stuff, good and bad, of his own doing and some of it of not. But it is a ridiculous thing. Like, when I say this, I mean that I really have managed – a lot of pothead fighters and not a once did it ever come up. You know what? I should spark up before the fight. And I mean, some real potheads. I know a lot of wrestlers that were mega potheads. Matt Riddle has, has told me on numerous, numerous occasions, never when I'm in the ring, just in case, never when I'm going to perform just in case. Um, yeah. I just knew I, Mike looked at this fight different. I just knew he did. And and uh, and I mean, they didn't have to get licensed. It wasn't sanctioned. The the testing, from what I understand, uh, marijuana or THC was excluded from the testing. So he looked at it as a glorified sparring match and as a great payday. And quite honestly, if it hadn't have been pitched to him like that, if it hadn't been pitched to him like an exhibition fight, a glorified sparring match, he would not have done it. Yeah. So uh, we have a few more super chats. By the way, get those in, guys. Leave us a thumbs up if you're watching live. I can't tell you how much that helps. 
Chris Greenlee says, can we talk about how Nate Robinson disrespectfully got dropped? I greatly overestimated the um, the element of his athletic ability compared to the even negligible experience of Jake Paul. Like, I really thought that maybe the fact that he had been an elite athlete as recently as a few years ago would help him somewhat against someone who had not trained as much, but it all comes back to training. And Jimmy, yeah. we used to do this at my gym. We would we would ask people, athletes from the area, to come in, and we would have them spar at our open houses with the least experienced person on the fight team. The result was always the same. It was always the same. That's another situation right here. One guy who had been trained, another guy who hadn't, and Nate Robinson was the subject of memes all week. It was, it was a bad situation. He should never have been in there. I mean, it, I don't care that he was an elite basketball player. Boxing is completely different. Yep. Uh, he shouldn't have been in there. And uh, it is what it is. I mean, you know, that Paul kid, I, I will give him credit. At least he knows where the money is. It's, it's embarrassing to think that Conor McGregor would give him the time of day. But at least he knows where the money is. So I, I give him credit. But, uh, yeah, Nate Robinson should not have been in there. It was embarrassing. Justin Lopez says it was over for Nate once he decided to wear Knicks colors, and that's coming from a Knicks fan. Yeah, that's that's the mark of a loser, the Knicks. And Evan Wright says, just wanted to say I cried laughing at the gun stuff, gun club stuff with Taz last night. Good show again. They really need Austin teaming with Finn Juice someday, which is um, David Finley and Juice Robinson. I think he'd be a great addition to them if they ever do a partnership, but they they really seem to have a lot of fun on AEW Dark, and I appreciate. I it. I saw that clip, and you know Taz was loving it. You know he was. Oh yeah. So so that was all good. There's another thing I want to talk about. Last week, you and I talked a little bit about Nick Diaz versus Takanori Gomi from Pride yeah. 33, which took place in 2007. Uh, and if you missed that fight, Diaz won that fight, and it got overturned because he failed a drug test for marijuana usage for THC. Last week on this podcast, I said that the speculation at the time was that the, that the well, we're going to get to it. I said the speculation was the marijuana usage might have helped Diaz in the fight and, and numb the pain. I did not say that the marijuana helped him. I said the speculation at the time was that it might have. Sean disagreed. We have a little clip from that in case you missed it. Put up media three, uh, Camillo. Sean, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. And this this is a lesson for anybody that does a podcast with you, all right? Just because you raise your voice and just because you talk over people doesn't mean you're always right. Yeah, but it doesn't mean you're always right. You're saying that Nick Diaz could absorb more punches because he had like No, I never I never said that. I said speculation was that that's what happened. By dummies, maybe. I'm just saying that was speculation. That's what it was. No, that was that was not speculation. That it was, was that was like conspiracy theories. Whatever, like, but even speculation even... and conspiracy theories are not the same thing. And we're back. So thank you for reinforcing my point. People can speculate anything. I can speculate that you've got explosive diarrhea right now. Camillo can come along and say, "Well, you know what? I don't smell anything," and I'm going, "Well, you know what? I don't care. I think that he does." That would be me speculating that you've got explosive diarrhea. And that's what I said. Dummies speculated it back then. Well, you said it was mostly conspiracy theory. Uh, it was dummies. Uh-huh. Well, put up media for uh, Camillo. And again, I'm not saying this is right or wrong. I'm just confirming my point. 
So this is from MMA Junkie uh, from back in 2007, but they took the report from MMAweekly.com back in the day. And you can see they're highlighted. Dr. Tony Alamo, he was the chairman of the Nevada State Athletic Commission. He was basically the guy that overturned the decision from a win to a no contest. And you see his quote at the bottom there. He said, uh, I was there at this fight and believed that you were intoxicated and that it made you numb to the pain. Did it help you win? I think it did. And so, again, I'm not suggesting it did. My point was that there was speculation it did. And as you could see there, the guy responsible for overturning the decision speculated that there was. So, And it was dumb. That threshold. Not saying right or wrong. That threshold, dumb. He knows better. He knows better. The threshold now, just so you know, the threshold now, 150 nanograms per milliliter. What was it then? He said 50, maybe 15. I don't know what it was. All I know is that was speculation it wasn't at the time. 150. It wasn't 150. That's for damn sure. They have greatly increased the thresholds since then of anything that's even considered in competition to be a violation. Like, not just, not just that. If he said that it was 50 nanograms per milliliter, the WADA, I believe, threshold is three times that now. Meaning that you could do, do like 149 nanograms per milliliter and not fail a drug test. And I believe in that graphic. Hey, you want to throw, throw up that graphic? Is it, is it available? The- you have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. (laughs) I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Say goodbye your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What graphic? The MMA junkie graphic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's media four. Throw it up. Mr. Diaz is 175. It creates a unique situation, blah, blah, blah. Oh, a result of 15 back then was considered positive. And a threshold of 50 nanograms per milliliter was something that they had as a positive. I mean, come on. Come on. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm saying speculation was... That it yeah, helped him, and I was right. Dummies. Uh, now, granted, a very accomplished, smart dummy. Influential. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he knew the drill. I'm pretty sure he knew that that was fucked. I gotta I tell mean, you, Sean, it it is a burden for me to be right this often on this podcast. It's a burden having to, having 50, to always be right. I haven't filled this pen for a year. <laughs> Standing next to it, I'm getting more than 50 nanograms per milliliter in my body like it is so negligible 
so you're negative. preaching to the choir because I don't I don't care what the what the levels are. I'm just saying just, that I was didn't speculation. Say that there was no speculation. I said it was among dummies. And you said anybody, conspiracy theories, and I said among dummies, and it was. I mean, was it proven? That it helped him absorb blows. Did he ever come out and say that? Did he ever? I don't know. That was just speculation. Is that a study put forth by the Nevada State Athletic Commission? No. But you know what? Had he taken Blue Chew, he would have gotten a really (laughs) erect penis. And that isn't a conspiracy theory. That isn't from dummies. That's from someone who wants you to get your penis very, very hard. (laughs) BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. No matter what the Nevada State Athletic Commission tells you, your threshold will be enough to get a hard penis. It's prescribed online by BlueChew-affiliated physicians that work with you to get you the active ingredient you need, and you don't have to go to the doctor or the pharmacy to get it. It's prescribed online. It ships straight to your door. No waiting in line. No, we're, we're going to get an award for this, Jimmy. We're, we're causing less people to be exposed to the outside world because we're getting their erect penises delivered straight to their door. You're getting yeah. their penises delivered to their door? Yeah, why not? Wow. We're dipping our toes into every other business. That's a why service. Why not dip a little something else in as well? <laughs> My God, guys. It's, it's a chewable, so it's ready whenever you are or whenever you're not. It's about that performance. You want that good performance, and Blue Chew gets you there. There, there you go, Camille. Put that graphic back up there. <laughs> Thank you very much. And if you go to Fight or YouTube, oh, my God, I got my links all messed up. BlueChew.com slash Fightful. I think Blue Chew, and then you use the code Fightful. That'd be the one. I think, I think we've got them all, though. You can get that first shipment free. Just pay $5 shipping. I'm all out of sorts. Jimmy, you're, you're questioning my integrity on this show, <laughs> so I have to let the people know I'm going to get their penises very hard. Bluechew.com. Code Fightful. It is very important that they know this. And I'm not questioning your integrity. I'm just making it be known that I'm right all the time and you're not. That's basically <laughs> it. So. Uh. so we're doing this on December 2nd. AEW Dynamite this week has a major main event. Uh, John Moxley, Kenny Omega for the AEW title. I think a title change on television is just what the doctor ordered for AEW, but I'm not sure they're going to go in that direction. And I'll give you my reason why, but your thoughts first. Do you think we might see a title change? I do think we might see a title change, and I think it's time. I think it's the, time. I mean, no disrespect to Eddie Kingston, but they're, when they're going to Eddie Kingston, Lance Archer, Jake Hager for John Moxley to compete against, then you need to establish some more top-name, top-of-the-level talent, and Kenny Omega is there. 100%, I agree. Now, I saw this question posted on Twitter. Do you think that Dynamite will do over or under 900,000 viewers this week on TNT? I think they'll do over. You do? You think they'll do over? So I think they're going to do under. The only reason I think they're going to do under is because they're not running on a post. That's the only reason. I think that because this is the last uh, episode of NXT before uh, TakeOver War Games, I think that's going to dip into their audience enough to get them uh, under that threshold. But, uh, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, I, I could see it. Uh, we got Evan Wright in this chat saying, if I see Kenta tonight, I'm losing my mind. If you see Kenta tonight, that would be monster. That would be... You mean live? Yes. I mean, he lives in Florida. Oh, he does? Really? Yes, and, and I mean, that came as a shock to me, too, when he was doing the strong tapings, and it's hmm. like, well, of course, he worked here for years, so why wouldn't he? Hmm. But, um, yeah, I think it would be a, a good moment, 
it'd be really good, and it's something that they need to do. Omega as champion, it's time. And Moxley's had a good like nine, eight, nine month reign. Yeah, I agree that I think it's it's the perfect time, especially doing it on television. I think it's a good time. The only thing that makes me question if they're going to do it is Kenny Omega still scheduled for Triple Mania? Last I looked, he was. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So then my only question mark about making him champion is I still don't know the quarantine situation. I still don't know. Does he have to go to Mexico early in quarantine? Does he have to quarantine when he gets back to the U.S.? I don't know the rules, and that's the only thing that would make me reluctant to make him your top guy if he won't necessarily be available week after week. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that is something that I hadn't... I mean, I considered it, but not nearly as much as... Because, I mean, until yesterday, there was the possibility that Moxley was working Wrestle Kingdom. But, hey, you know what? If Kenta shows up tonight and... Tony Khan was swerving everybody, then there's that opportunity as well. Scott right. Young says, if Hangman attacked Moxley, I will lose my mind. That would be great, too. Evan Wright says, if you want more ink in your pen, I thank you. And Zach <laughs> Barber talking about the Tyson fight says, Snoop Dogg singing Precious Lord was hilarious. I like Snoop a lot. I thought Snoop was cool on commentary. I, re- I, just really, li- I really like him. He's a very likable guy. And uh, Morrow, you know, Morrow, it was good to see him back, you know? Yeah. So, and even uh, Adesanya, aside from the fact that he uh, threw out some, you know, threw a few f bombs on the air, which he shouldn't. Otherwise, I thought he was pretty decent too as a as a color commentator. Not yeah. Bad. Yeah, I'm, I I agree. What did you think of Mo- of Tony Khan? You just said this. Tony Khan confirmed Moxley is not going to do Wrestle Kingdom 15. Kind of makes sense because of COVID and everything. Um, were you surprised at all by that? Uh, yeah, you were, but. Yeah, I was, but I mean, he's got to drop that title sometime unless they just vacate it. So that, right. that's probably why. Right, right. Okay. I want to move on. To know, I want to talk about WWE's developmental efforts. Uh, now, when you look at Raw this week, all right, Ricochet got beat again. And not only did he get beat, he got beat by Slapjack, the bum of retribution. So that happened. Matt Riddle got beat again. Uh, Mia Yim in her in-ring debut as Reckoning got beat by Dana Brooke who never wins and her mask got knocked off after a couple of minutes. Dominic Dijakovic is floating around as T-Bar doing almost nothing. Shane Thorne is floating around as Slapjack doing nothing before he beat Ricochet. When you look historically at, at the list of NXT champions that got called up to the main roster. Look at this list. Bo Dallas. Now, Bo Dallas, I don't think the Bo Leaf thing was ever going to work on the main roster. So, I so that, it, I think it could have. Briefly. You think it could not have? As a main, not as a main roster thing, but yeah. actually I mentioned it on the Q&A show I just filmed. Like, he gets a bunch of banana peel wins over like four or five months and has this big grand WrestleMania entrance, then he gets beaten six seconds. I think that's like the maximum of what it could have done. It was not going to be a long-term thing. It couldn't have been. You're right. I feel, I feel like his peak as, as the Bo Leaf character was when he did the house show at Boston Garden and The Rock came out. Yeah. That, that for me, was kind of like his peak. Uh, so, I, you know, he, he might be uh, uh, an, ex- an exception on this list. Finn Balor. Finn Balor was a guy that the company was fully behind when they brought him up. Then after that, they lost interest. He couldn't do the Demon anymore. And then he's putting over Bray Wyatt. Then he wants to go back to NXT. Shinsuke Nakamura, his first week on the main roster, what does Vincent Mann do? He has him cut a live promo in the ring. When you know yeah. that English is a second language and then that, that, that's a weakness, that's what Vincent Mann has him do. He was dead in the water. Bobby Roode. Bobby Roode was never going to be WWE champion, but now he's basically an enhancement talent tag wrestler, you know, more or less. Andrade. 
Andrade was part of a group this summer where the manager was the hottest member of that group. Alistair Black had a winning streak no one ever talked about on television. Uh, and now he's not on TV, maybe because of his wife. Kevin Owens was kind of like Finn Balor, where they brought him up, they pushed him strong. He beat John Cena in his first match on television. But now he's a guy that kind of coasts around the mid-card. When they got to fill the main event spot, they plug him in, he loses, then he coasts around the mid-card again. That's Kevin Owens. Keith Lee, we'll see what happens from here. I find like with his new music now, he's got better presentation. But before that, train wreck push. Like, train wreck push for Keith Lee when they brought him up. Now, when you look at North American champions, Ricochet is an obvious one. When you look at tag team champions, Roan and Harper, they kind of floated around after they left uh, the Wyatt family. The Ascension, they weren't that great, you know, on the main roster, but they didn't make it. Lucha Dragons came up basically as enhancement talent, uh, holding pinatas. Wesley Blake is being penalized because of what somebody as, as part of the Forgotten Sons did. Vaudevillians are, are gone. Revival's gone. American Alpha, Chad Gable became Shorty G. We'll see if he's able to, to, to you know, find that spark again. Uh, Authors of Pain were released. Sanity was released except for Killian Dean. Viking Raiders, sometimes they were a comedy act. Sometimes they took them seriously. And then uh, the women, Ember Moon wanted to go back to NXT. They didn't know what to do with her. They split the Iconics up for no reason. Shayna Baszler was unstoppable. Now she's playing second fiddle tonight. Jack's getting pinned by Lana. What the hell is going on with these talent that are pushed so strongly in NXT, and as soon as Vince McMahon gets them under his thumb, they go to shit? I shouldn't say go to shit, but what they had on the NXT yeah. roster is gone. Like, what is it? What is it? I mean, it? Since, since Goldberg beat Kevin Owens for the Universal title, there have been no, like real strong NXT alumni that have hold that t- held that title. It's right. been Rollins, Lesnar, Fiend, Goldberg, Strowman. Strowman didn't have an NXT run. Right. Like, Rollins none. did, but that was Yeah. Ages and I know ago. people will say, "Oh, well, what about Drew? He was he was a champion." Okay, well, where was he before that? Oh, wait, he was in WWE being told or telling everybody, "I'm the chosen one." Vincent Mann telling him he's the chosen one. Jinder Mahal no, they brought him down there because they were like, here's a familiar name. He's going to compete for the NXT title. AJ Styles was a star in TNA. Daniel Bryan has been a star for a decade. Kofi Kingston was one of those things where it's like, you you guys have treated him so bad, we're ready We're ready to see it. Orton, Cena. Like, the 2015-2016 was like when it started to really ramp up. When mm. the NXT like profile started to ramp up and people were like, man, future, future, mm-hmm. but it's not the future. It hasn't been the future. No. And it's so frustrating because it lends an awful lot of credence to all those people that say, Oh, well, you don't want him to go up to the main roster because, okay, well, Andrade Cien Almas was a champion in NXT. What's he doing now? Mm-hmm. Okay. Drew McIntyre, he made it, but again, he was a star before that. Bobby Roode wasn't exempt from it. Nakamura wasn't exempt from it. Samoa Joe wasn't exempt from it. And they were all stars elsewhere. We mentioned all those other names. Pac is gone. Mm -hmm. He hit the bricks. The closest we might have is Big E. And he was in NXT before it became the NXT that we know now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't blame Tommaso Ciampa for not wanting to go up to the main roster. Yeah, and that was going to be my next question. If, If you're a guy that's been with NXT for a while... Obviously, it's going to get to the point where maybe Triple H or Vince or both say, we got to clear these guys out and make room for, for the new crop. Let's say if you're Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole, why would you want to get called up? 
You know yeah. what I mean? Why would you want to get called up? I think Johnny Gargano, for with all due respect to him, given Vince McMahon's MO when it comes to guys of his size, if I'm Gargano, I would never want to get called up to the main roster because he's probably dead in the water if he gets called up. Yep. And it's, it's really unfortunate when you see this list of guys. Imagine if they, I've, I feel like I've said this every week, if they had listened to the audience and if they had played to the strengths of all of those guys, think about how many peak guys they'd have. This could have been Attitude Era 2.0 in could terms have been. of the level of talent at the top. And, and you have to make these people look strong or at least book them. It, to me, it's just such elementary booking. AEW's yeah. doing it. And they got a lot of people that look strong or look entertaining. Yep, agreed. I want to ask you, where do you think they're going with Cedric Alexander? Because Raw has almost no tag teams. Uh, Xavier Woods even was kind of joking about it. Uh, I don't think he expected to be picked up uh, on camera, but he was kind of joking about the lack of tag teams. And now they got Cedric already showing dissension with Shelton Benjamin and MVP. Like, yeah. Where the hell do you think they're going with that? Nowhere. <laughs> Nowhere. They shouldn't go anywhere. Cedric was floundering on his own yeah floundering and that's unfortunate but it's a reality him and that tag team is really really great really good and i think you you push him out of there when it's time i like the idea that somebody said maybe it's like a a rock farouk situation but mvp kind of lays lays it down he's like no it's not gonna happen like that and i think that would be pretty cool that'd be cool the only the only problem like i mean i guess they could do it you know, so Shelton would be Farouk because MVP can't be Farouk. Well, I mean, for MVP's the leader. He's the leader, but he's like not a full-time in-ring guy. I guess that we'd have to see where they go. I don't know, though, yeah. because that, now that I think about it, that could maybe work. Where you know, Shelton, although Lashley's not going to go with Cedric, you know what I mean? No, but Shelton no. could like that. That could potentially make sense. I guess we'll see where that goes. They'll flounder uh, without him, though, and I hate that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Evan Wright sends a super chat. Send him in, guys. I feel like I'd rather go be a young lion and get beat by Kojima and other guys nightly and go on excursion than come up through the PC. Am I crazy? Uh, Didn't seem crazy to Juice Robinson, and he did that, and he's doing really, really great now. So it, it depends. And I know for so many people, Jimmy, they grew up in the Attitude Era, and WWE is it. It's like the the dream. You're going to find less and less people like that. I'm interviewing people all the time that are like, oh, no, I watched TNA when I was a kid. Like, I like TNA more than WWE. Right. So I'm hoping that the next generation sort of evolve past that. I mean, 10 years from now, 100%, 10 years from now, the the crop of talent that's like hitting their prime is going to be talking about New Japan and AEW 10 years from now. Andrew Monaghan so. says, it's like Vince views NXT as the WCW he already owned. That's a very good comparison. Have you seen that stupid-ass fake WCW account? I was actually going to say today, as part of my list, I was going to share some news with you as part of my list. I was going to tell you that I've decided to create a promotion called ECW 2021. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I'm going to do my first show not until a year from now. I'm going to wait until a year from now. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell everybody that WWE's letting me do it, but I can only own 50%. Otherwise, they're going to let me do it. And I'm going to put up their logos without permission on my social media channels. Amazing. That is the You know what's amazing about that, Sean? What? There are too many people in this world. And we talked about this last week with uh, uh, people that don't read the article. They just kind of comment based on the headline. There are too many people in this world that, quite frankly, are too stupid, and they believe everything yes. they hear. And there's actually people, I looked at that 
social media account for that for that thing we're talking about, people were commenting, asking them questions. Oh, like, I know. Are you going to bring back the old belt? Are you going to do? It's like this isn't real. Why are you even asking them this, this shit? You I know? had people from WWE, from AEW, like laughing about that, and yeah. then. I even messaged WDB and they did not get back to me, but I was like, listen, it's embarrassing that I'm even asking you this, but can I please get a statement to debunk this because it's stupid and people are following it. People yes. like it's got 3,400 followers since yesterday. Right. They're following like, it. Dummy. It's unbelievable. Man. It's unbelievable. These are the same people, people following this that believe that smoking marijuana cushions blows to the head. In an MMA fight. That's how I feel. So stupid. It is. Come on. I'm I'm going to tell a quick story and try to make it. I'm going to try to make it as quick as I can. I used to work for a promoter. That's where I met uh, Justin Roberts years ago. I worked for a promoter, and he was notorious for advertising big names. And then either on the day of the show, they would either announce a no-show, or if it was a big name under a mask, they would have an independent guy put the mask on. And, and they were notorious for doing this. And I remember after I left the company, because I was, I was getting tired of the bullshit because they were doing this so often, when I left the company, they put a major graphic on their website. And this is probably early 2000s. You know what yeah. the major graphic was? What? Coming soon, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Bill Goldberg. No. And now, see, that's why Kentucky swears they got to have an athletic commission for wrestling. Oh, we don't want somebody advertising Hulk Hogan, and then they can't deliver piss off you want that 25 bucks for the wrestling license that's it right that's why you have people get licensed before they ever take a bump it's like giving somebody a driver's license before they get their permit or they ever step behind the wheel it's a it'd be a money grab it's man i hate that and it ruins things for a lot of other people yeah because so many people believe it and and uh i should hit justin up justin up and ask him to retell this story so there was a show in uh outside las vegas in nevada and this is when Mick Foley was hot. Like, we're talking 2001 or so. And they advertised Mick Foley in the main event of a show, this company. And I wasn't on that show, but I heard about it after the fact. The day of the show, they got a packed house, Sean. Yeah. And the day of the show, they told Justin Roberts, okay, now you got to go in the ring and you got to tell the crowd, Mick Foley's not going to be able to appear, no refunds. And he was like, I have to do what? You know what wow. I mean? And this is the shit that this company did on a regular basis. Uh, and unfortunately, this shit happens a lot. It happens a lot. I remember there was a company out of the UK that had like a fake Legion of Doom and, and all this shit. You know what I mean? Happens all the time. And, uh, and this, this goofball with this WCW account, don't buy it. WWE's not going to let them do shit. They've got the IP all over the network. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They're not going to let them do shit. Don't buy it. It's bullshit for attention. That's what it is. Mike sends a super chat and says, update on the rumors of Melina and Eva Marie in WWE. Nobody I talked to had any clue back then, and they don't have any clue right now. Um, I have not heard a peep from anybody in WWE about Melina or Eva Marie getting signed. Um, Justin Lopez says, Corbin and Elias, two guys who weren't NXT champions, who have been used and protected better than the names you mentioned, Jimmy. Well, and the sad reality is they haven't been used better, and they haven't been protected. They've just been, okay, they haven't been used well. They've been used better, but not well. They're both 50-50 dorks that are stripped of any creativity, and they're not good. And Elias, Elias basically got himself over because yeah. he had that personality, and he had the ability to play guitar, and he had the ability to sing. He got himself over. You remember that promo with Kevin Owens? 
Yes. Remember how hot those guys were as heels when they did that promo? Yeah. That was Elias's peak, and just like everybody else, they fucked it all up, and now he's just he's just any other guy. Rob Wilkins, who is now working for Fightful doing AEW Dark and Dynamite, says, SRS, on an overall scale, do you know if people in WWE want Triple H and Stephanie to eventually to take over? Well, Stephanie isn't expected to take over in that regard. She yeah. likes her role, from what I understand. She took on a but new yeah. role recently. Did you hear about that? Yeah, I did. VP but, uh, of Global Sales and Partnerships or something? Yeah, nothing to do with creative, really. Right. But yeah, I, I know a lot of people that want anybody more responsive to take over because it's hard to get a meeting with Vince. Even when you get called up, you sit around and wait for weeks and weeks and weeks. So yeah, there are a lot of people that either want him want that to happen or they want Vince to delegate a little bit more. Uh, Kieran George says, WWE doing right by Karrion Cross and Scarlett once they're called up. I, I could see that happening. They seem like the type of act Vince would love and protect. They do, but here's the thing. Once you beat a guy like Karrion Cross, then you start to beat him all the time, and there's nothing there. They did that with The Fiend. He was there. He was hot. He yeah. was awesome. They rebuilt him. Then they stomped him out a bunch, and they started to beat him, and it was never the same, Jimmy. 100% agree. I mean, Saudi killed him. Saudi killed yeah. him dead. And uh, and I know a lot of people try to defend it because, again, there's pro-WWE people that are going to defend the company to the death. But Saudi killed the fiend, and he's never been the same. And to me now, his act is tired. Alexa Bliss, they're helping try to extend things with Alexa Bliss, and uh, and she's brought a unique twist to it, and you can tell she's really enjoying it. But the fiend thing, in terms of, oh, there go the lights down again, and there goes that music again. Oh, guess what? He's going to pop up behind the guy when the guy's not looking. You know what? It's, it's just kind of played out. It's the same shit all the time. So. Yeah. You know, you talked about Melina and uh, Eva Marie. That brings me to, an to another topic. I want to talk about AEW's women's division because this has long been considered the weakness of AEW, but I feel like that they've really made strides to try to improve. And when I look at some of the, some of the girls they've added recently, so obviously they signed Serena Deeb, uh, and she, she was a pretty good addition. They got Thunder Rosa because of the NWA deal. She's been a pretty strong addition. I think Abaddon is very interesting, and I don't yeah. know how far they can go with that, uh, because you know that might have a shelf life after a while. Her look, Sean, she looks like Very something good. out of she looks like something out of a movie. I, I can't imagine how long it takes her to do that. Her look is incredible. I think crawling to the ring, she's going to get bored of it after a while. But but the her look is incredible. And then the other girl I wanted to mention, Anna J. I look at Anna J. I see WWE superstar, and this is nothing against AEW. But I see a girl that's like Vince McMahon's prototypical, this is what a female performer should look like. Uh, and I looked Anna Jay up. She's only 22. She's a kid. The future's yes. bright for Anna Jay. She looks like a WWE superstar. And at some point, they are going to come calling for her when she's available, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, she had like maybe eight or nine matches before she signed. Right. So she's advanced really far to the point where she's having good matches with Brandy Rhodes. Right. So, yeah, I think the, the AEW women's division, like they, they've built towards the future. There's not a lot of experienced, nationally exposed women to pick from. Mm -hmm. There are so many women that leave WWE and they just never wrestle again. Like, Summer Rae doesn't wrestle. Eve, Eve Torres doesn't wrestle anymore. AJ Lee doesn't wrestle anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, they, they left. They're done. You know, given so, that they only do TV once a week, they should really reach out to a Molly Holly. Yeah, I, you know, I TV think, once a week, you know, or once a month or something or like once that. A month. Like, imagine the I mean, experience that she could give them, man. She's she was one of the best 
in her day. Yeah, and she she hasn't wrestled a ton. Like that's the thing. She's wrestled battle royals and like that's it in the last decade. But like, wasn't she part time. of a wasn't she part of a school within the last year or two? Yeah, but I mean like I'm I'm talking like she's had maybe half a dozen matches in 15 yeah, years. Yeah, no, I get it, but I'm I'm just talking about like being able to utilize her knowledge, like give her knowledge. Yeah, and oh experience. yeah, yeah. She was doing stuff with Davari and Kennedy. Like she right. could be a great Sarah Amato. Right. Like she'd be just like that. Right, right. Uh, I wanted to talk about something that I actually like in WWE, and your your memory when it comes to recent stuff is better than mine. The Money in the Bank stuff with The Miz, I actually like it. I have been too. And and the reason I like it is, have we ever had a situation where the Money in the, brief, money in the Bank briefcase holder is considered so beatable that the current challenger for the championship is trying to help him win because he knows that he could then beat him as opposed to beating the champion. Have they ever done something like that with Money in the Bank before that you can remember? I can't remember if they've done that, but, I mean, of course they had Carmella, who was very beatable. They had her out there. They had Sandow, who was kind of of that same vein. Uh, But other than that, we're talking, like, guys like Edge, Rob Van Dam, Randy Orton, Sheamus, like, people that were pretty pretty well protected but man they uh that before the miz had it they really threw away threw away the money in the bank stuff this year because oscar just won the title and otis Mm -hmm. was terrible terrible yeah Yeah, well really you could say they've thrown it away for a long time alexa bliss cashed it in that night bailey cashed it in that night oscar didn't get one Uh, the brock lesnar thing cashed it in way too soon uh, Braun cashed it in, and I'm pretty sure he lost. I don't, I don't even, yeah. And I think the last one that really sticks out to me, and I'm like, man, that was a good one, was Carmella and how she she did it, and Mike Kyoto taking forever to cash that thing in. Him being like, are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> I thought he was really, that was really good. But other than that, they fumbled it for a long time. Yeah, well, I, I like what they're doing with The Miz. When when they first took it off of Otis, I didn't get it because I thought, no one looks at The Miz as WWE champion. Like, what are you doing? Now I like it because there you got AJ Styles saying, cash it in. I'm going to help you beat him. I'm going to help you beat him because AJ Styles knows I got a title shot at TLC. I could kick your ass. I don't know if I could beat Drew McIntyre. I like it, man. It makes I like sense. It. Yeah. It doesn't insult my intelligence. It yeah. says what we're all thinking, and I appreciate that. Yeah, I uh, like it. Evan Wright says, give me legit Layla Hirsch with Team Taz. I got to reach out to her for an interview before she gets signed. Like, she's really, really good. Uh, Evan Wright says, I've become a huge Kylan King fan recently. Anna Jay, Tay Conchi, Red Velvet, Abaddon. They're developing their younger talent. Long game for sure. It is. They are creating people, and... They're taking the opposite approach of what they've done with a lot of a lot of the men. They've got a lot of WWE exposed talent. Not so much here. Tay Conchi, who was barely on the show, I think they're doing a good job. Yeah, me too. And like Abaddon, I just saw her on Dark. I had never seen her before until I saw her on Dark. Uh, and I just immediately thought, I don't know necessarily how good in the ring she is because I, I have a short sample size to look at. But in terms of her look and her character, man, is she unique. She's one of the most unique uh, females in all of wrestling right now. As we wrap up, uh, we've got Shaq saying that he was only laughing at me saying that Otis is pushing 40. Yeah, well, sure. Still, yeah. Oh, and, and, and a point about that, too, because I saw you say that on Watch Along. 
I said 36 is pushing 40. I didn't say 35 is pushing 40. You said I, that, didn't you joke to me? You're like, Sean, oh, is that because you're pushing 40, Sean? No, I said that the reason you got offended is because the person I said that about was 36 and you're 35, and so you're close. Ah, uh, no. No, I, I wasn't upset over that. I just think it's ridiculous. Uh, but you know I think what? it's accurate. I think after, you, after you're past the five to a six, you're pushing the next one. That's what I think. Well, guys, we're pushing this over to FightfulSelect.com. <laughs> it's the best time of the month to subscribe. Uh, we got people asking us all the time, what's up with the timeline on moving it to .com? I don't know. We're working uh, I on can, it. I can tell you. So, so we, we had to uh, switch over to a new type of code. I'm not going to go into detail. Uh, that is pretty much ready now. Uh, and after that, we can get Select going. I think by the 1st of January, Select will be ready. But we're going to put it into beta and test it internally. Make sure that nothing's glitchy. I think by the end of January, we'll have uh, FIFO Select Live. Nice. Uh, that is his timetable. It is not mine. I see a lot of people say, <laughs> hey, guy, I'm waiting until. Don't wait until. Go ahead and subscribe. FightfulSelect.com. Uh, but one thing I can tell you, it'll be one price point when we move over. It'll still be the most affordable in this space whatsoever, and you'll get everything there. And it's going to be ad-free. ad-free site and we're going to be adding things that the patreon can't do like a forum and stuff like that we're going to have new features on it yeah and uh, we're adding new shows we're adding a lot of new stuff my early access stuff will be up there for everybody so you're going to get more than ever for that but subscribe to fightfulselect.com right now i've got a q a show that's dropping tomorrow every week i do the backstage report which is exclusive news 15 and 20 minutes and I got stories up right now. I had wrestlers contacting me about how frustrated they were over some of the things they saw in the Liv Morgan documentary. Another top NXT star got COVID. That sucks. A bunch of creative changes for the WWE Raw brand. Uh, had an update on Jeff Hardy the other night. Uh, news on the Raw script. The War Games location. Every single day we are posting exclusive news there. I don't think that you guys will get that anywhere else. So head over there. The list goes on. Until next time, guys, we're out. Subscribe to Fightful on YouTube for the latest exclusive podcasts, interviews, and news across boxing, MMA, and pro wrestling. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes. Ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.